Well, take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Judges, Judges in chapter number 16 there in the Old Testament, Judges chapter 16. I mentioned that this past week, uh, many from our church went up to the National Sword of the Lord Conference, and there we were able to hear some good preaching in the morning, good preaching in the evening, and then good sessions all the way in between. And uh, God stirred my heart as well as everyone that was there, just tremendous uh, but I'll be honest with you, it is unfortunate that there were so many from our church that went to the National Sword of the Lord Conference. It's very unfortunate because that means I can't get away with preaching one of the messages I heard this week. They, they would call me out on that. So this morning, you're just going to have to endure another one of my sermons. But we'll be in Judges chapter number 16. And I'd like to preach a message to you this morning entitled, Powerless Christianity powerless Christianity. You have Judges chapter number 16. We're going to walk through a good portion of the Bible this morning, so make sure that you have your Bible with you in hand and you're following along as we read. We're going to begin reading this morning Judges chapter 16 and verse number 4. The Bible says, speaking about Samson, and it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And we will give thee every one of us eleven hundred pieces of silver. And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. And Samson said unto her, If they bind me with seven green withs that were never dried, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven green withs which had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now there were men lying in wait, abiding, in her, abiding with her in the chamber. And she said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he brake the withs with a thread of tow, as a thread of tow broken when it toucheth the fire. So his strength was not known. Verse 10, And Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If they bind me fast with new ropes that never were occupied, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Delilah therefore took new ropes and bound him therewith and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And there were liars in wait abiding in the chamber. And he brake them from off his arms like a thread. And Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with the web. And she fastened it. With the pen, and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awakened out of his sleep, and went away with the pen of the beam, and with the web. And she said unto him, How canst thou say, I love thee, when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times, and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass, when she pressed him daily with her words, and urged him, so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart, and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me. 
and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hands. And she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man. And she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. Now shall we pray. Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. Thank you again for another opportunity that we have to gather around thy word. Lord, I recognize this morning my insufficiency. Lord, I need you this morning. And so I ask that you would fill me with thy Holy Spirit, that you would allow me to be thy mouthpiece this morning that you would be pleased with all that is said and done here in this place, for we would ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in Judges chapter number 16, I believe most of us in the room this morning would be familiar with the story of Samson. We look at Samson and we understand that he is the strong man of the Bible. Samson is a man that was uniquely blessed by God to bring about deliverance of God's people Israel. He was anointed to be a judge over Israel to deliver them from the Philistines. And as we look at the life of Samson, we find that he has victory after victory as a result of his incredible strength. We also know, however, that Samson had a big problem. He had a big problem with women. And he would oftentimes fall into this sin with women. Here in chapter number 16, what we just read is we are introduced to the woman of his downfall. We are introduced to Delilah. And the Bible says here in verse number 4 that Samson loved a woman. He went down to the valley of Sorek, and there he loved a woman named Delilah. In verse number 5 and in verse number 6, we find that she did not love him in return. Look at verse number 5 again. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee every one of us eleven hundred pieces of silver. And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. In verse number 4, the Bible says Samson loved a woman, but in verses 5 and 6, we find that that love was not returned. But in fact, she would seek to betray Samson in return for money. Each of these Philistine lords were prom promised her 1,100 pieces of silver, and she was willing to betray this man in order to receive that money. I want you to see as we walk through the Bible this morning that Samson is a very blessed man. We know that he is uniquely blessed, unlike any other man in the Bible. And as we look at what God has for us this morning, I want you to see, number one, Satan always seeks to hinder or to remove God's blessing on our lives. Satan is always at work, and he works very hard, and he works very diligently to hinder or to remove God's favor and God's blessing from our lives. Samson, as I've already mentioned, we know that he is abundantly blessed by God, unlike any other man. And even before his conception, before Samson was ever born, God had ordained him to deliver God's people, Israel, out of the hands of the Philistines. You're in chapter 16. Look back in verse, uh, chapter number 13. Judges 13, and we'll look at verse number 3. The Bible says here, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, drink not wine nor strong drink. 
and eat not any unclean thing, for lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. When we look at this man, Samson, we understand that he was divinely blessed by God. God had great plans for Samson. Even before his conception, before he was ever born, the angel of the Lord came unto his mother and said, You're barren, but you will conceive and bear a child, and this child shall be a Nazarite unto God, and this child shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. A very blessed man. We move over to chapter number 14, where we are first introduced to the great strength of this man named Samson. Look with me in chapter 14 and verse number five. We, verse number five, we see the introduction to his strength. Verse five of chapter 14, the Bible says, Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath and behold, a young lion roared against him and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he rent him as he would have rent a kid and he had nothing in his hands, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. When we look here in verse number 5, the Bible says that as they're on their way to Timnath, that a young lion jumped in the path of Samson and his father and his mother. Now, when the Bible talks about a young lion, I want you to understand this morning, the Bible is not referring to a baby lion. This was not a cub. This was not a little kitty cat. Rather, the Bible, when it says a young lion, we are referring to a ferocious, fully grown lion, a lion that is young, a lion that is in its prime. We're talking about a beast, a big, strong lion. And the Bible says here that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. What this means in the Bible is Samson was able to, with bare hands, with nothing in his hands, Samson was able to take hold upon this fully grown lion in its prime and rip him apart. The Bible says the Spirit of God came upon him and he was able to do a miraculous thing because he was so blessed of God. Look with me in verse number 19 of chapter 14. We find the Bible says, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon and slew thirty men of them, and took their spoil and gave change of garments unto them which expounded the riddle. Here we see another example of the great strength and the great blessings of Samson. The Bible says he was able to go down and slay thirty men. I don't know if you realize this morning, but thirty against one are not very good odds. But yet, the Bible says when the Spirit of God is upon him, he was able to do great things. Look with me in chapter 15. We see another example of the blessing upon Samson's life. Chapter 15, look with me in verse number 4. And Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took firebrands and turned tail to tail and put a firebrand in the midst between two tails. And when he set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burn up both shocks and also the standing corn with the vineyards and olives. Now, I don't understand quite how he did this, but the Bible says that this one man was able to catch 300 foxes. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty miraculous to me. And he was able to do this because he had the blessing of God upon his life. The Bible says... What he did is he took these 300 foxes, put tail to tail, put firebrands in, released them into the fields, and burnt up the corn and burnt up the fields of the Philistines. What is taking place is the prophecy that God had ordained and God had said to his mother that he would begin to deliver God's people from the Philistines is taking place. 
He is afflicting the Philistines that had afflicted the people of God. Look with me in chapter 15, down in verse number 14. Here we see another example of the blessings upon his life. Chapter 15, verse 14. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire, and his bands loosed from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass, and put forth his hand, and took it, and slew a thousand men therewith. Again, you've got to understand, you've got to be able to see the hand of God upon this man. Earlier we said 30 against 1 were pretty bad odds. Now we see that he takes the bone of an ass, he takes this jawbone, and he is able by himself to slay a thousand men. I don't believe anybody in the room this morning would want to go up against those odds, a thousand to one. And yet the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. And when the Spirit of God was upon him, he was a very blessed man. He was uniquely blessed, unlike any other. He had this great strength, and he was able to slay a thousand men. Again, you're in chapter 15. Look with me in the closing verse of the chapter, verse number 20. The Bible says, and he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines... 20 years. 20 years. For 20 years, Samson won victory after victory. For 20 years, he began to deliver the children of Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. For over 20 years, the Bible says that Samson knew what it was like. He knew what it was like to experience the Spirit of Almighty God coming upon him. For 20 years, he lived in the blessings of God and experienced countless victory because of it. I want you to see this morning that Samson's blessings, the reason that he was so uniquely blessed by God, were a result of a holy vow that God had placed upon him. The secret to his success, the secret to God's favor upon his life, were a result of a holy vow that he had made unto God. And Judges, turn back with me to chapter number 13. And look with me in verse number 4. 13 and verse number 4. The Bible says, Now therefore beware, I pray thee, drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child, catch this, shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. The Bible says here that Samson was to be a Nazarite unto God. And the, the vow of a Nazarite is a very holy vow. And as long as Samson was obedient to this vow of holiness, he would have God's hand upon his life. There are three parts here to this Nazarite vow. Let me share them with you this morning. As a result of being a Nazarite unto God, there are three things that Samson had to adhere to. Number one, Samson was to refrain from the fruit of the vine. He was not to be a part of the fruit of the vine. He was not to come in contact with or have strong drink. He was not to partake of moist grapes or dry grapes. The Bible says in Numbers 6 and verse 4, shall eat nothing that is made of the vine tree, from the kernels even to the husks. He was to refrain from the fruit of the vine. Secondly, as part of this vow, Samson was not to come into contact with any dead body. The Bible says he was not to come in contact with any carcass of any dead body. In fact, the Bible went so far as to say, as a part of this vow, 
that he shall not make himself unclean, not even for his father or his mother, not for his brother or his sister. He would not come into contact with a dead body to make himself unclean or defiled, not even with those that he loved dearest and those that were closest unto him. The third part of this vow is Samson was to have no razor to come upon his head as a part of this vow. This would have been the uh, material representation, the physical representation to show that this man was different. He had taken upon him this vow. He was to have no razor come upon his head. Now, what I want you to see is the vow of a Nazarite was a holy vow. This was a vow of separation unto the Lord God. And as long as Samson was obedient to this vow, this separation unto the Lord, this relationship that he had with God, as long as he stayed within the bounds of this vow, God's hand would be upon him. And Satan knew this. Satan understood that as long as he was obedient to the vow, to the separation unto God, to the relationship that he had with God, then God's favor and God's hand would be upon him. And so Satan goes on the offensive, and what Satan does is he goes after the very thing that gave him favor with God. You know, that's just like the devil to go after our relationship with God, to go after our separation to God, to attack the very thing that allows God to show us favor and kindness. He goes after the relationship that Samson had with God. Look with me in Judges 16 and verse number 6. The Bible says, And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. What Satan is doing is he is going after, he is attacking the very thing that gave Samson power with God. He uses Delilah and she says, tell me where your great strength lieth. Where does the blessings from God come from in your life? And Satan knew it was a result of the vow that he had with God. And so he uses Delilah to attack the vow, the separation, the relationship that he had with God. She sought over and over, the Bible tells us, daily she pressed him with her words. She sought over and over for the secret to his great strength. She wanted to know how to remove the power of God upon his life. Can I tell you this morning that the devil is walking about as a roaring lion and he is seeking how to remove the power of God from your life. He does not like when you operate in power. He does not like when you're able to go out and you're able to witness with the power of God. He doesn't like it when you're able to have victory over your sin. He doesn't like it when you come to church and you hear the Word of God opened and preached. He is seeking how to remove the power of God upon your life. And that's exactly what he was doing with Samson. But as long as God was upon him, as long as Samson had the hand of God, he could not be touched. And that's exactly why Satan went on the offensive. I want you to see in verse number 16 that the attacks were relentless. They were relentless. In verse 16, the Bible says, And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. The Bible says this was not just a one-time attack. This was not something that eventually Satan would just be wore out and give up. These attacks were relentless. Satan is persistent in seeking the destruction of God's people. He wants the blessings of God that God had given unto Samson. Do you realize this morning, friends, that you and I are just as blessed, if not more blessed, than Samson? 
Say, hold on a minute. Samson was the strong man of the Bible. Samson experienced so many victories. That's true. But you and I are just as blessed as Samson is, if not more so than Samson was. And though Satan works to remove God's hand of blessings, what that implies is that you and I have a God that works actively and seeks to bless us. If God did not work so hard to bless us, Satan would have no reason to seek to remove that blessing. Thank God that he loves us. Thank God that he seeks to bless our lives. He seeks to show us favor and kindness and to give us the power we need to live for him. God does not delight in watching his people just run around and squabble in darkness. God wants us to have power. God wants to show us favor. And I want you to notice how God says that you and I are to live as His people. If God blessed Samson, God desires to bless us. If Samson was so blessed, and he was, but God desires to bless us just as much, and even more so than Samson was blessed, I want you to notice how the Bible says that you and I as God's people are to live. Number one, how should we live as God's people? Number one, the Bible teaches that God desires and God intends for you and I to walk in victory. We are to live our lives in victory. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Do you understand? God is not asking us, saying, Would you please do this? God is giving us a command to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Do you understand this morning that we serve a powerful God? We serve a God that is infinite, that is limitless, that is all-powerful. He spoke and the universe was formed. And God says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of not our might, but of His might. This is a command upon each and every believer. God says we are to walk in victory. Do you realize this morning that we are not saved in order that we can cower in the dark? God never intended for us to cower in the dark. This world is dark. The Bible says that we live in a world that is filled with spiritual darkness. And Satan, the prince of this world, desires to keep this world in darkness And we are not, as God's people, to cower in the darkness. Rather, the Bible says we are to shine as lights in this darkened world. The Bible says about you and I as believers that we are the light of the world. We are to stand firm on the Word of God. We are to go out with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are to be shining examples of the love of Jesus Christ. We are lights in a dark world, and we are to walk in victory. I know that when you look around our world, when you look around our city, and when you listen to the news, and you look on the internet, and you're scrolling through the news feeds, it seems like this world is hopeless, and it seems like this world is just dark, and there's no hope. And yes, the world does abound in sin But I want you to understand, the Bible says, even though this world abounds in sin, and even though it seems hopeless, greater is He that is in you than he that is in this world. We as God's people need to walk in victory. We can have victory over our sins. We can live a lifestyle that God intends for us to live. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You know, the Lord also expects us not only to walk in victory, but God expects us to rest upon His promises. God's desire is that we would simply rest, that we would have faith in the promises that we find in the Word of God. 
In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, many of you could quote this verse. The Bible says, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 31, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. God says to you and I, we need to rest in the promises of God. Not only should we walk in victory, and God did not leave us here to cower in the darkness, but rather to be lights, I want you to see that we are not to live in fear. Too many times God's people walk about this world filled with fear, filled with stress, filled with anxiety. We get our minds focused on the material needs, and we get our minds focused on the things that we think that we need, and we forget that we have a God that is guaranteed, that is promised to meet every need that we have. I know that it gets discouraging when you're living paycheck to paycheck and you don't know where the funds are going to come and you don't know what's going to happen next in your life. But God has given you a promise. He says, I will meet, I will supply every need that you have. And if God has promised us that, then we need to, by faith, rest in the promises of God. We need to live by faith in His promises. But how many times do we as God's people... We're all the time just in fear. And we live in a constant state of stress and anxiety. That is the opposite of faith. God wants us to rest upon His promises. Not only that, but we are to walk in godliness. God expects us to walk in victory, to rest in His promises. But God also commands and expects you and I to live and to walk in godliness. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15, the Bible says, But as He hath... Uh, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Do you realize that what God is commanding for you and I as His people is to live a holy, a godly life? We are called to godliness. What that means is you and I are to be godly children. Teenagers, young people in the room this morning, God demands of you to be a godly child. You're not exempt because you haven't reached a certain age. We are to be godly husbands and wives. We are to be godly fathers and mothers, godly co-workers and employees. You know, you may work out in the secular world and you may not even like your boss and your boss may not live for God and maybe your boss doesn't even like you. God's called you to be a holy and a godly co-worker. God has called you to be a godly employee. The Bible says here, be holy, what? In all manner of conversation. In every area of our lives, we are to live a godly lifestyle. God has not made any exceptions for any area of our lives. We as God's people must live holy and godly lives. And so that brings us to a question this morning. If God's demanded and God has commanded that we walk in victory, not in fear, not in defeat, not walking around falling to every sin and every snare that Satan traps, Satan seeks to uh, trap us in, but we're to have power. If God has commanded that we rest in His promises, not to live in fear and stress and anxiety, but simply trust God to be God in our lives, and if God has commanded us to live a godly life, then that brings us to the question, is it possible? 
Can you really live in victory? Can you really have victory over sin? Can you really rest in the promises of God? Can you really be the husband and the wife that God has called you to be? Can you truly be a godly father and a godly mother? Well, notice with me, please, what the Bible says in Matthew 19 and verse 26. I'll read it for you. Matthew 19, 26. Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God... All things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Mark chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus looking upon them saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. You say, Pastor Josh, can I really live the life that God wants me to live? Yes, you can. Not on your own. Not with men. With men it is impossible. But with God, the Bible says, All things are possible. If we're strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, yes, we can live the life that God expects us to live. The life God wants us to lead this morning, friend, is a life of blessings. He has promised to meet our needs. He has declared that we can live in victory over our sins. He has given us power upon our lives. Can I share with you this morning, back in our text in Judges chapter 16... I've already talked about the blessings upon Samson's life. And I want you to see this morning that it was Samson's holy vow. It was Samson's separation unto God. It was his faith and his relationship in the Lord. By the way, Samson is found in the book of faith, in the hall of faith in Hebrews. He was a man of faith. And it was his vow, his separation to God, his faith and relationship that brought about his great strength. And can I tell you this morning, it will be our separation to God. And it will be our love and faith and relationship to God that opens the doors of God's blessing upon us. Friend, when you look at our Bible, it is filled with promise after promise after promise upon our lives. And it is God's desire to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon our lives. But what opens that window is our separation to God, our relationship to the Lord. So long as Samson was obedient to his holy vow, he had power with God. And having a God who desires to bless us so richly, and He does, why then do we often miss out on all the blessings that God has for us? Why is it when we look around at our churches, we see the doors closing? Why does it seem like God has withheld His power from the church today? Why is it that so many men of God and women of God are dropping out of ministry and quitting on God and failing to be successful and effective for the Lord Jesus Christ. Why are we missing out on the blessings of God? Notice with me in closing this morning, not only does Satan work to remove the blessings of God that he seeks to give us, and not only does God desire to bless us in a special way, but notice with me thirdly, Satan does seek to remove, to hinder God's blessing on our life. And unfortunately, he has been very subtly successful in doing it. Satan has been successful and very subtle in removing God's hand of power upon our lives. Christians all over the world have lost the hand of God upon their lives. The attacks that Satan sent towards Samson were effective. And Satan has had great success 
and attacking the children of God. Back in our text, we see that Satan is attacking the vow upon Samson. And rather than putting an end to this, as Delilah is attacking Samson over and over and over, rather than putting an end to this, rather than silencing these advances from Delilah, remember, Delilah pressed him not once, not twice, not three times, but daily, every day, she sought after the secret to his favor with God. And rather than Samson putting a stop to it, rather than Samson silencing the advances from Delilah, what does he do? He lets it continue. In fact, he almost plays with the snare that Satan has set to trap him. It's almost like he's just playing with this advance from Satan, just playing with the temptation. Do you realize it would be the same thing if you and I were to go out and we were to go out hunting and while we were out in the woods, we saw this big, ferocious-looking bear trap and it was set. This trap was set by a hunter to catch this bear. And you and I thought it would be a good idea. It would be really fun to, without a stick or anything like that, just go up there and play with that trap. Let's just see if we can play with it a little bit. Let's uh, see if we can stick our hand in and out fast enough not to get caught. Let's just go out and poke the trap and play with the trap. Now, none of us would do that, but that's exactly what Samson is doing. He's allowing the advances to continue from Delilah. He could have put a stop to it, but rather than doing that... Satan has very skillfully, very carefully laid a snare, set a trap for Samson. And rather than getting out of the way, rather than putting a stop to it, he's playing with it. He's poking the snare. The Bible tells us here that Delilah, as she is seeking the secret to his favor with God, she's not asking about God's blessing on his life out of curiosity. She's not asking for her own spiritual well-being, how she can have those blessings as well. Look with me what the Bible says in verse 6 of chapter 16. In verse 6, the Bible says that she very plainly tells him, right off the bat, she tells him in verse number 6, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound, watch these next words, to afflict thee. She very plainly, right off the bat, tells him, Samson, Tell me the secret to your blessings with God because I want to afflict you. Now, if that wasn't a wake-up call, I don't know what is. You know, the problem is sin is blinding. It blinds us to the truth. And here, she tells him very plainly, My desire is to bind you and afflict you. She was not interested in finding out the secret to his success so that she too can be blessed. She was out to get him. She was being used to the devil to get the blessing and the power of God removed from his life. And what Samson has done is he has thought very lightly of Satan's snares. You and I oftentimes make very light of the temptations and the advances of the devil in our lives and in the lives of our children and in the lives of our families. And in allowing these things to continue, even though they may not have been wrong in and of themselves, she was just asking a question, they were questionable. And he allowed them to continue. And because he took these temptations lightly, because he allowed them to continue, the Bible says that he fell victim to the attacks of Satan. And in verse number 20, we read what I believe to be the saddest words in Samson's story. Look at it with me, please. Chapter 16 and verse number 20. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. 
But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. I bring your attention back to verse number 20, and you may want to highlight or mark these words in your Bible. The Bible says, He wist not that the Lord was departed from him. These are what I believe to be the saddest words in Samson's story. He wist not that the Lord had departed from him. For all the blessings of his life, for the 20 years of victory after victory, after all the times he felt the Spirit of God come upon him and use him in a powerful way, now God's hand has been removed from his life and he doesn't even know it. He doesn't even realize it. He gets up just like he's always done and he goes out to take care of the Philistines. He doesn't even realize that something is not right. He doesn't even recognize that the Lord is no longer with him. What he has done is he has allowed Satan's attacks to wear him down. He has gotten numb or used to the temptations. And I wonder this morning how many of us We live in a dark world and we've just gotten numb to it. We live in a world where sin abounds and we've just gotten used to it. And we no longer understand that Satan is a roaring lion seeking the hearts and lives of our children, our families, and ourselves. Now he has gone out, the Bible says, as at other times and wist not that the Lord had departed from him. Friend, I'm afraid that today we have a great host of God's people, saved people, born-again people who once had the hand of God upon their lives and now that hand of God has been removed because of their sin and they don't even realize it this morning. God has called us to victory. God has called us to godliness, to faith in His promises. And yet, so many believers live in defeat, live in sinfulness, live in anxiety. The opposite of what God has called us to live. I'm afraid that there are many preachers today that take the pulpit week in and week out. And there are many Sunday school teachers that stand up to teach a class. And all they do is go through the motions without realizing that God has removed His hand from their ministry a long time ago. How many believers live like the world all week long and then they come to church on Sunday as at other times, verse 20, thinking that everything is well spiritually, believing that they can live like they please, living however they want without any consequences. You know, we actually are foolish enough to believe that we can live like we want without any consequences. We've lost sight of who our God is. We've become so used to hearing how He's only a God of love that we forget He is a righteous judge, that He is a holy God. We believe we can live like we please without even knowing that the vow that we've made to God, that separation, that relationship that we have with God has been hindered. And the Bible calls this something. What Samson is experiencing right now, the Bible has words for it. The Bible calls this having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Going through the motions of church, just playing church, going through the motions of having a relationship with God, living like the world, but coming to church and acting like everything's okay, pretending to live in victory, but with no real power in our lives. God expects us to live in power. God expects us to live in victory and godliness, in faith. But how many this morning, I wonder, we live like we please. 
We play church. We pretend. We come and we put on a good show and we know how to walk the walk and talk the talk. But there is no real power with God in our lives. No real favor. Because God has removed His hand of blessings because of our sin, because we've gone numb, because we've gone used to the temptation. When God says, don't cower in the dark, but stand up for the Lord. Be a light. We've allowed ourselves to get used to the attacks of Satan. Here in our text, the Bible says that Satan was very subtle and very successful in removing the hand of God upon Samson's life. The Bible says he wist not. Can I tell you, friend, in closing this morning, it is time for you and I as God's people to stop living like this world. It's time to stop pretending and stop playing church. And it is time for God's people to stand up and start living the life that God has called and intended for us to live. Because while we pretend and while we play church, the world goes to hell. We go out and witness without any power in our witness, the world goes to hell. It's time that you and I stand up and we be the light that God has called us to be in this darkened world. Let's bow this morning for a word of prayer.